We've got Marco Rossi and William Eklund playing first-line minutes. Does Joseph Wall make enough of a storm in order to get a Calder vote? And Shane Wright is growing with a no-pressure environment. We'll talk about all that on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. And on today's show, we've got a packed one. We'll start off by talking about Marco Rossi and William Eklund playing first-line minutes with their respective teams and doing fairly well. Um, then we'll talk about some uh, weird-ish early Calder candidates. We'll talk about Joseph Wall uh, and Bobby Brink, who's been off to a decent start as well. And then we'll end things off by talking a bit about Shane Wright um, playing in the AHL with a no-pressure environment and how that's kind of faring for his development, how he's been doing so far, and what kind of the projection is for him this season. Before we get into any of that, though, just make sure to like and subscribe, leave us a comment, letting us know what you want us to talk about next if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. It's always very much appreciated. So let's get things started. Um, we'll start off with Marco Rossi here. He's been playing first line minutes with a kind of struggling ish uh, Kirill Kaprasov. Um, hasn't been going so well for him. So I believe Minnesota is hoping that, you know, kind of putting Marco Rossi on that first line after some decent kind of early season performances will kind of help him out so far. Um, What's your take on Rossi's kind of trajectory so far? Because it's been a weird one, man. I mean, he had he had long COVID, was out for basically a year, uh, almost lost his life. Then he's back, struggles a bit to get back into the uh, into the game uh, and get into back back into game shape. Now he finds himself on the first line of the Minnesota Wild. So yeah, what's your take on this? I'm so happy to see it. I mean, we've been waiting yeah. for Marco Rossi to to kind of get his shot and get and get some good breaks. Uh, for a while now and uh i mean this is a player i know that we've both really 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 liked for a long time i i know that he landed at third yeah. overall on my 2020 board um which was bullish i mean having him ahead of tim stutzla may not age too well but but he, he was in his draft year one of the more impressive players in in that class and it was a good draft class too and uh since then, of course, right? Like as you said, he's he, he's had every setback you could possibly imagine, and now he finds himself playing twenty plus minutes a night uh, with some really good players. And he has four goals and six points in his last six games. He's playing some really good hockey, and he's bringing every element that we've always been seeing from Marco Rossi: the intelligence, the intensity, the unrelenting motor that seems to never die. Uh, on top of that, the playmaking ability, the quick shot, the uh, high-end ability to play in tight and under pressure. He is one of the better contact initiators among sub-six-foot NHLers already. That's uh, always been a strength in this game. And he, yep. he loves to kind of get into those dirty areas, and he's so effective when he's in them. Uh, he he does not need much space at all to get off of really potent release. He doesn't need much space at all to get in a really, really good pass to a teammate. And his 
playmaking arsenal is versatile, whether he's going to use a hook pass or go for a little saucer. Uh, he has the right tool for every, for every situation, especially under pressure. So uh, he, he's been made for the NHL. We've been waiting for him to kind of get his break, get the opportunity, get the minutes, stay healthy for a long time. And this has been the first stretch where we've been seeing that in, in, in ages. So I'm over the moon to see it. And uh Few things make me happier than seeing a beautiful Marco Rossi goal pop up on my timeline. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah, I'm yeah. very happy about it. For sure. And we're talking about a player who in his draft plus three uh, only scored one point in 19 NHL games, even though he's almost a point per game in the AHL. Um, so he's a player who struggled a bit early on and struggled to kind of get uh, rolling um, even up to his draft plus year, plus three, which was last year. And now this year he's got seven points in 11 games, including six points in his last six. So he's been on a tear, a very well-deserved stint on that top line. I'm really excited to see how that kind of develops for him, if he can kind of grab that spot. And he has so far. Uh, he played the last two games on the top line. He's He had a goal and an assist in a 5-3 loss against the Devils. Um, and a goal last night in a 5-4 shootout win against the New York Rangers. So this is a player who, in limited minutes so far on the top line, has been doing extremely well with them. So I don't see any reason so far to drop him back down. Um, played 22 minutes and 44 seconds in this last game on November 4th against the New York Rangers. So, yeah, this has been going fairly well for Rossi. Uh, but I also want to talk about William Eklund. Obviously, I mean, this is the San Jose Sharks we're talking about. Um an extremely struggling team that hasn't been doing too well so far and has been struggling to um, kind of get up and running. Uh, I don't believe they have a regulation win so far, um, which is fairly bad. Uh, <laughs> but Not yeah, great. No. Yeah. And now they got William Eklund playing on the first line uh, along with Timo Meyer. So yeah, that combination seems pretty good. Uh, what's your take on that combo of skill sets? And what do you think is going to come out of this for William Eklund? I mean, I haven't watched much of the San Jose Sharks this season uh, for my own well-being uh, because uh, everything I've seen and read about uh, them so far has been not bad. Been uh, yeah. It's not been pretty. <laughs> but yeah. when I have caught uh, viewings of the Sharks, the only player that consistently has stood up positively has been William Eklund. And while his two, two points in 11 games might not quite reflect that just yet, there's... <laughs> I, I truly did not see any other player that was like consistently engaged in NHL games for San Jose and Eklund is putting in a shift yep. consistently. And I don't think he earned that top line role based on his skill. I think he earned that based on being one of the only players like consistently giving it his 100% because uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of rough to watch the sharks right now, but Eklund's yeah. been really solid. And this is a player that, I believe we we both had ranked first overall in his draft class. We were both quite bullish yeah. on him. Uh, I, I'm sure that that may have maybe shifted uh, in hindsight for both of us. At least it has for me. I think he'd probably fall more in that three to five range in a redraft uh, if I were to make one. But uh, this is a player with tremendous amount of skill. He's so dynamic. He's highly intelligent. But he needs other players to to, to play with him <laughs> to create. Uh, he he's yeah. not he's not a player that can do it all on his own. You can't stick him yeah. onto a team on his own and expect him to produce like Connor Bedard does. And yeah. uh, that said, I've liked him so far. I think that if you were to give him a, a, some line mates that uh, could help him and mm -hmm. look like hurdle should, I think with time hurdle will, 
but there's no other player to, to complete that line just yet. Uh, I'd yeah. love to see them call up Daniil Gushin. Just give him those top six minutes. I think that'd be a fun first line for a rebuilding team. At least more fun than what we've seen so far from San Jose. And yeah. I think that Eklund uh, is going to start to shine a bit more brightly with his skill because yeah. it's only a matter of time until it pops at the NHL level. I'm not really concerned, but his long-term projection, I still think this is a player who will have pointed game upside in his prime and 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 can be an offensive driver at 5-on-5 five five especially. So yeah. I, I still like Eklund a ton, but uh, San Jose has been a rough watch. Yeah, yeah. And I, I said Timo Meyer at the start. That's my bad. I meant Thomas Hurdle. Uh, but yeah, the, these are the scorelines so far for San Jose through 11 games, just to show you how you can't really blame Eklund for this. Um, 4-1 loss against uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. They lost 2-1 against the Colorado Avalanche, 6-3 against the Carolina Hurricanes, 3-1, 5-1, 3-1, 6-0, 3-0, 3-0. Three one ten one and then ten two are their losses so far. That's a total of twelve goals and eleven games for the San Jose Sharks. If it's if bad. William, yeah, if William Eklund's not producing, no one is. So I don't no think we is. can really blame him on on, and, on this and the Sharks. I, I I saw like the most disappointed uh, disappointing tweets of all time. Uh, it was this poor child uh, went went to his first two San Jose Sharks games and oh no. They conceded 10 goals in both, and oh he had like a poster for his first game, and then he had an excited second poster for his second game, and it just went just as badly as the first. And I just feel like, yeah. like, as someone who grew up with like an exciting Habs team, like with like the Yaroslav Halak run, as a young hockey fan, you need something to cheer for. Yeah. And uh, there's very little right now in San Jose. I mean, Likely, they're going to get a very high-end draft pick this season. Mm-hmm. I think Macklin Celebrini would change the outlook of that franchise. That would make a massive difference in that rebuild, as yeah. would any top three selection uh, generally. But uh, yeah, uh, San Jose Sharks are uh, tanking hard, uh, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but they're facing off against the Edmonton Oilers, so maybe there's hope there. Um, but yeah, that wraps <laughs> things up for our first segment. We'll talk about uh, Joseph Wall and a couple other surprising Calder candidates after these messages from our sponsors over at um, Parkview Advance and Collective.com. As a business owner, you realize that there are times when receivables might fall behind, but that doesn't mean you need to fall behind on vendor payments, pay- payroll, or rent. For more than 25 years, Parkview Advances helped businesses secure working capital from $5,000 to $1.5 million. Parkview Advance can improve your working capital in as little as 24 hours. If it's, if it's a much easier process than you might imagine. So we invite the many entrepreneurs that are locked on NHL fans to learn more by calling Parkview Advance at 203 203- Six seven five zero zero seven one, or go to parkviewadvance.com. If your business needs working capital, call Parkview Advance today. Parkview Advance, helping businesses secure working capital. Go to parkviewadvance.com. If you run a solo small business, you're an army of one, but you still need an accountant, a bookkeeper, separate payroll solution, and much more. Let Collective take care of the paperwork while you take care of business. Collective is the number one financial solution for freelance contractors uh, and self-employed entrepreneurs that lets you focus on your passion, not your paperwork. They facilitate the process with you by taking your uh, paperwork off your hands and making sure that you um, don't have to take care of corporate formation, compliance, taxes, bookkeeping, 
accounting, payroll. And the best part is at a fraction of a cost of a CPA, a chartered professional accountant. Um, so right now, Collective is offering one month free and no or onboarding fee when you go to collective.com slash locked on and tell them locked on NHL sent you. Um, you can save about an average of $10,000 per year. Uh, this is based on the averages of their solopreneurs that have uh, used their services for a $550 value of one month three and no onboarding fee. So go to collective.com slash locked on NHL. And again, tell them locked on NHL sent you. Uh, check them out. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment, uh, we'll be talking about uh, some surprise Calder candidates, some some guys that really haven't been talked about too much, especially by us at the start of the year. I mean, at this point, we really thought that it was going to be Kuleen Bedard and a bunch of names, but there are some names that have been standing out decently so far. We'll start off with Joseph Wall, who has basically taken over the starting goaltending role in Toronto. Um, a market that absolutely has needed a starting goaltender and couldn't find one to save their lives. Um, so we'll start off with the fact that Ilya Samsonov, I mean, when when we started hearing about Joseph Wall, my immediate thought was, oh, okay, Ilya Samsonov's injured. He's not. He's just not doing very well right now. So Joseph Wall is taking over the starting role. We're talking about a 25-year-old goaltender, though. So, you know, how much is that going to play into the kind of conversation for the Calder? And especially, are we talking about a, just a really hot streak, um, as happened often with goaltenders? I don't think this is sustainable, right? It's goaltenders. Who knows? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I, we've seen Joseph Wall have some bright flashes in the last year. We saw it last season. There were games where he looked like the Joseph Wall that we've seen so far this season. It's not come out of nowhere, uh, yeah. but the consistency has. I mean, ha- putting up a nine thirty and through seven games, uh, two of which were uh, relief starts. So, uh, which, which he didn't start. But uh, yeah. that said. He's been solid so far. I think with uh, with, with streaky goaltending, you've always got to be a little bit careful uh, in terms of how quickly uh, you, you kind of jump on that bandwagon. But Wall's looking good so far. He's looking really good so far this season, and uh, he he's definitely making a strong case to to stay in the starters' net for the Leafs. So I, I think once once we hit the new year, we might have a bigger sample to work on with a goalie. Uh, I mean, we we're seeing like, I mean, Jake Allen's one of the top goalies so far in the league right now. Is that going to stay the case for the entire season? Probably not, especially yeah. not with the Habs offensive core, but uh, yeah, with goaltenders, it's always a bit tough. I'm, I'm personally a little bit uh, always skeptical when it comes to hot starts with goaltending because a safe percentage can go from a 930 to an 890 in like a one week span at this point in the season. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see how it continues. Uh, I think Calder upside is definitely a big question mark when you're uh, contending against some little known skilled forwards like Bedard and Cooley. But yeah, uh, yeah we'll see how it progresses. And uh, that said, if he, if he is able to lead this Leafs team into the playoffs and winning a playoff round again, then sure, may- maybe then we'll see a lot of Calder votes going his way. And I know in the past, we've definitely seen like goalies come out of nowhere and make very strong cases for the Calder. So it's far from unprecedented, but I think it's a little bit early to jump on this train just yet. Absolutely. I fully agree. Um, however, I still think that, especially if he keeps this up, I, I don't think he's going to be a Calder prime candidate, but I think that 
he's definitely going to have at least a vote or two, especially from, you know, yeah. the, the, the Toronto market. And, and, you know, given that it's voted on by journalists, I, I don't think it's out of the question. I just don't think there's any conversation, especially when you're comparing them to some of the names that are, are showing up in this rookie scoring board. Um, speaking of which, Bobby Brink has been really good to start off the season. He's got eight points in 11 games. Um, he was a uh, second round pick of the Philadelphia Flyers back in the 2019 NHL draft. 22 years old. He's 5'8", 165 pounds. Um, and yeah, he's he's been playing really good, really dynamic hockey. Uh, with those three goals, five assists. I mean, we're talking about a player who's averaging about 15, 16, 17 minutes a night and is doing Second really good minutes. with those minutes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. he's been playing fairly well on a team that, honestly, I mean, no one's really expecting much out of the Flyers this season. This isn't a team that's going to push for a, a contending spot. Um, not at all. But they've had some decent games, especially when Bobby Brink gets on and, and gets running. You can really see the difference in these performances for the Flyers. So, yeah, I mean, what, what's your read on Brink so far? Does he keep this up? And, you know, especially in the in the seat that he's in right now with Philadelphia, what, what's your kind of projection for his performance this season? Yeah, I mean, like Bobby Brink has always been a highly intelligent and fairly skilled forward. Uh, this was a guy that definitely had quite a few uh, like first round calls among public scouts in his draft year. And uh, while the skating has always been a question mark and still is far from a strength, uh, he's really, really playing some impressive hockey this season. I mean, he's He's tied for fourth on uh, for fifth on the team in points with Sean Couturier, uh, which yeah. is you know pretty good start to the season. Playing top six minutes, and uh, I've liked what I've seen. Do I think he's going to keep scoring at like an eight, like almost like point eight points a game for the entire season? Probably not, but yeah. uh, I, I think that this is a, still a player that has like significant second line upside. I I, I'm, I don't think he's ever going to be a high end dynamic first first line player but in terms of bringing in some skill elements some playmaking some deception and and overall fun to the second line i definitely think the upside's still there and he's playing second line minutes right now and playing well so we'll see how the sample grows uh with with like over the next couple months to see if uh this is sustainable at all for him but uh, especially considering he was around what half a point a game last season in the ahl like without playing a single nhl game on a rough flyers team last year but yeah. uh it's been a very bright start so far and uh he, he's fun to watch he's one of the, he's one of the more like enjoyable players on that flyers roster so i'll definitely be cheering for him because i want to see more bobby burke highlights in my feed yeah absolutely uh but that wraps things up for our second segment and we'll talk about shane wright in the third segment to kind of break down um the no pressure environment that he's in and how that's going to kind of shape his development and improve his game so we'll talk about that after these messages from our prospect from our sponsors over at um okay let me just restart that jace yeah yeah, and that wraps things up for our second segment, and we'll talk about uh, Shane Wright in our third segment, kind of break down the no-pressure environment he's in and that, how that can kind of shape his development. Uh, we'll talk about that right after these messages from our sponsors over at Jace Medical. Don't get caught unprepared. Jace Medical has got you covered for everything that is medication needs. With supply chain issues, uh, with everything going on around the world, it's harder than ever to get a reliable supply of medication. And Jace Medical really can, uh, gets around that issue without a problem. First and foremost, they offer the Jace case, which is a uh, case of five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. 
Um, basically, if you have an, an ear infection, a, a sinus infection, anything you got going on infection-wise, these antibiotics can be really helpful. And having them on hand uh, will help you not get caught unprepared in situations like that. All you have to do to get a Jace case is just fill out a simple form online. And in some cases, you hop on a call with one of their board-certified physicians. And before you know it, you got a Jace case in the mail uh, ready to be used. Um, you can get ongoing care from their physicians on any treatment-related questions as well. So they really take care of everything from online eval to licensed pharmacy, pharmacy medication delivery. And on top of that, they take care of consultation and care. So they're really a well-rounded kind of toolkit. Uh, and we love those here, here at Locked On. Um, so m make sure to not get caught unprepared. Uh, new customers can uh, get $20 off their first purchase by using the promo code locked on at checkout. Um, and that's at jacemedical.com, J A S E medical.com. Check them out. All right. So to close things off, we've got a discussion on Shane Wright. Uh, I think it's about time we kind of circle back to him and how he's doing. Uh, you kind of compare the trajectories of Uri Slavkovsky and Shane Wright. And I think that's going to happen a lot as the season goes on. Um, but for me, the, the thing is, you're looking at completely different trajectories. I mean, first and foremost, Yaroslavkovsky is playing full-time NHL minutes. He's on the first line right now with Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield in the NHL. Meanwhile, Shane Wright is taking a sweet, sweet time developing in the AHL. And honestly, I would have liked to see that uh, for Slavkovsky. But let's focus on right here and how it's going for him. Um, he's got, what, four goals and two assists for six points in seven games, doing fairly well in terms of production, almost a point a game in the AHL. Um Talk me through kind of how you think that's going to shape his development, because I see some promising things in terms of what he's added to his toolkit, but I just wanted to talk me through it here real quick. I like the patient approach. I think I'm I'm, I'm always a fan of a more patient approach when it comes to developing prospects. I think that mm -hmm. especially with how, how fast paced and high end today's NHL is, it is difficult for any 18 or 19 year old to come into the league and, and play very, very well. Uh, I mean, in terms of recent draft picks, like, Sure, we see it with Logan Cooley this season. We see it with, with Bedard. But even when you go into the other high-end draft picks in recent seasons, there's a lot of struggles. I mean, like even draft year Jack Hughes was not a great NHL player. And uh, he is now. So uh, I think that, that, that giving prospects time is really important. And as far as cultivating a no-pressure environment, I think that Seattle is doing a good job with that with Wright. I think that last season they they i think were quite slow to sending him down to the ohl i think they may have given him too much time in the press box in the nhl before giving him ohl time but yeah. i think that his development since then has been handled well i think that playing as an, an exceptional status ahl or this season was the right call i think it helps him a lot more than playing bottom six minutes in the nhl would i think that it helps him way more than playing another OHL season would because he has yeah. nothing left to learn in that league. And uh, he's playing big minutes uh, with Coachella Valley and, uh, and it's a fun team. I mean, he's playing with other skilled players. Like there's I mean, Riker Evans, for instance, is a legitimate number one defenseman in the AHL right now. Another young player who's going to have a similar timeline as Shane Wright uh, in terms of getting NHL time. And, I think it's good when you, you're able to have prospects kind of develop together and, and and as a cohesive unit. And on top of that, there's little pressure for Wright to be the number one guy in Seattle. Like you've got Matty Beniers already. Like you have a Calder winner as your 1C. And if mm -hmm. if Wright is able to pressure him into making like a 1A, one, 1B one thing, 
that's amazing. But there's little pressure for him to need to be that guy, which I think is quite important in terms of alleviating the pressure that Wright has had since he's been a 15-year-old player. And uh, we have not been seeing many articles being written about Shane Wright in the last like six months. And I think that's a really good thing. He needs a break. Yeah. He's been able to kind of fade into the background uh, where we've been seeing reactionary articles being written about Yuri Slavkovsky because he's in the high-profile environment of playing uh, with Montreal Canadiens already. Wright has just kind of been chugging along in the background. And yeah. I think that I, I've caught a couple Coachella Valley games this season and he's been good. He's been really, really good. I, I, I've been impressed. He's using his skills. Uh, he, he's playing his, his relatively subtle style, but he's using his shot as a high end offensive tool. He's the most patient player on the ice whenever he's playing. Uh, and I don't think it's going to take long for him to be uh, an easy middle six center for Seattle. I think by the end of this season, he slots into that role relatively comfortably. So yeah. uh, I, I don't think Seattle fans have very long to wait here, but I do think that giving right this extra time to marinate and to just, just be a high end player in a professional league is doing him a world of good. Yeah, for sure. And I hope this sparks a conversation about nature versus nurture when it comes to developing prospects, because I think the the difference in trajectory between Uri Slavkovsky and Shane Wright, five, six years down the line, is going to be a very interesting conversation to have regarding kind of what works with prospects and what's the kind of right decision to make. We're adding two players who are kind of in the same boat as being NHL ready players in terms of their physical qualities. Um one in case one in terms of his toolkit the other in terms of his tools um and kind of looking at how they both were approached regarding the fact that they weren't necessarily good enough to have a top six impact but have that upside and how you get there i think that this difference in trajectory is going to be very interesting to watch and i think we're going to look back in four five six years and kind of have a very interesting conversation regarding what works for these prospects so i'm really excited about that but for me i mean do you see, have you seen any change in terms of the overall tools in Wright's case? Have you seen any progress regarding specific areas that we didn't expect? I mean, is there anything so far that shows you that Shane Wright is developing or are we talking about a player who's just building up confidence? I think that the development approach with Wright is a patient one and not one where Seattle's trying to force him to change the way he plays the game. Uh, which yeah. I also think is good because Shane Wright, like this is a player whose mind has been ticking at an NHL level since he was a 15 year old yeah. status player in the OHL. I don't think you need to revamp his game in order to get him into an impactful NHL role. What you need to do is allow him to build up the confidence to consistently use his high end tools for what they are which are high-end tools. And the big questions in his draft year were, okay, this is a really intelligent player who sees the ice extremely well, who has a wicked shot, but he doesn't take over games. Why? Right? Like, that that was always the question with him. And mm -hmm. I think that right now, I'm seeing him take over AHL shifts. Not games yet, but shifts. And that is an important progress. And uh, he's still the same stylistic player. There's still a guy who's going to be observing the ice, waiting for his moment and then striking decisively when it opens uh, rather than one that's going to take the puck in the defensive zone, rush up the ice, dangle through five players and put it into the back of the net. That's yeah. not how he plays. He's regularly the third forward to enter the offensive zone. And that hasn't shifted since his draft year, but I have seen him become more confident in, I guess, 
the value of what he brings to the ice. I think in his draft year, he may have been asking himself a lot of questions about that lack of dynamism. That, that, the only thing in the media throughout the draft year was, why isn't he dynamic? Why isn't he dynamic? And my sense is that he may have been asking himself the same questions. Um, or at the very least, now I'm seeing a player that is confident in his tools being valuable for what yeah. they are, rather than trying to mold his game to something that it isn't. And I think that's key for Shane Wright. Like he needs to be a player that can be confident that his tool, that his toolkit, and his IQ are difference makers on the ice. And I think once he's confident about those things, he's able to play his game a lot more fluidly and a lot more impactfully. So that's what I've been seeing so far this season, and uh, I, I've been very happy to see. It. I saw it last year in the playoffs as, as well. I thought he played very well in that playoff run for Coachella Valley. So. Yeah, I, I've been liking Shane Rice's development. I, I like that it's been patient. I like that it's been subtle and kind of sticking in the background because the amount of pressure, external pressure that was enforced on him for so long was, in my mind, really, really hampering the development. And being able to be a little bit more in the background has been very beneficial. Absolutely. Uh, now, that is up for today's show. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment. Comment, let us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. For your second listen of the day, make sure to check out Locked On Sports Today. They got all your news and updates about what's going on in sports. And make sure to tune in next week as we continue our prospects coverage for the month of November. This has been Hattie Kalakesh with Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.